Good morning and welcome to episode 88 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and today I've got a special guest for you. My guest is Scotty Russell. He is the gentleman behind the Perspective Collective and the Perspective Podcast. His whole thing is helping you side hustler designers do what you want to do and make it all work. He's got some brilliant podcast episodes with some amazing guests, so go check that out. During this episode, we talked about his upbringing, about being bullied in school and bullied by brothers, and how he kept his sketchbook of his drawing and his art secret for a long time. He finally released it and started coming out of his shell. So in this episode, we talk about mental health, about emotional intelligence, worrying about criticism, all that good stuff. We also talk about some of the early projects that finally paved his path, his current working situation, and he drops a sweet quote, you are not pizza. The guy loves pizza. The guy loves helping you side hustlers and you freelancers. So let's get to this one. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Scotty Russell. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a quickie? Good morning, Scotty. How are you? I'm doing all right. Good afternoon. Good out for you, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for being on the show this morning. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, I'm excited for a quickie today. Perfect. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> so I don't mess around. So briefly tell the listeners about yourself. All right. So my name is Scotty Russell. I create, teach, and speak under the Platform Perspective Collective. And my main focus right now is just helping side hustlers in general build something that's important to them outside their day jobs. Because I, I hold on a day job. I do UI, UX, designer full-time, mm -hmm. and I build everything outside of it. So, So you're teaching what you've done. Exactly. I'm not an expert in a lot of things or in anything, but I'm really good at <laughs> making time to grind and execute outside of the day job and I can help other people do the same. That's awesome. And how long have you been doing that for? I've been doing Perspective Collective for a little over five years, but this is the most I've niched down is in 2019 with the help of some coaches. So this has been the year of niching down and laying the foundation. Awesome. Niche, niche, Canadian, US, whatever you want to say. I mean, I hear it all over the place. So I didn't know if it was a Midwest <laughs> thing. I hear people saying niche, niche everywhere. So I, I don't know. I've always said niche. Yeah, it's all good, man. Just give me a hard time. Um, so I want to go back even further than that. I want to ask you about your childhood and what that was like. Do you feel you had a creative childhood that led you down this career path? Yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm just going to open it up. I, I like to be vulnerable about stuff. So I grew <laughs> up. Can I swear on this? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I grew up just getting picked on beat up and bullied and i was always an artist but i kept it all to myself i was a little chunky fat kid who with glasses braces i got my first pair of jinkos when they weren't cool um <laughs> and and i just grew up you know not feeling like a winner so i, I kept a sketchbook by my side my entire life and mm -hmm. you know i didn't i didn't open up to anyone that i was an artist because i was terrified you know that they would use it as fuel against me and my art teacher in first grade told my mom, like, your son's going to make money doing this someday. My mom told me this 
like every year she was drilling in my head and I never believed it. And it wasn't until I was like 20, 21 years old where my buddy in college stumbled across my stack of sketchbooks. And he was like, dude, you have to post these. And, you know, he twisted my arm, peer pressure me for months. And finally I started sharing um, in like a Facebook album, just doodles. And that was like such a life changing moment. It didn't have a massive impact on me then, but it's what got me to like feel comfortable sharing my work a couple years later, in like 2013, 2014 on Instagram. And that's that's kind of where I got my start was with Instagram and just sharing hand lettering. I was on the hand lettering early wave of things and the boom of that and you know sharing little motivational content because I have a background in coaching and sports. Mm-hmm. So I, I combined the world of coaching with my love for drawing. And that that's pretty much been finding my voice and style ever since. That's crazy. So it was that friend that really pushed you to get out and just yep. like, get out of your shell, really, and just start yeah. sharing. And I think a lot of people, you know, that little fourth grader who got bullied still lives within me. And I think we all have that little fourth grader within us who mm-hmm. bullies us, who stops us from hitting publish or sharing our work because we're too worried about, you know, criticism or we're paralyzed by comparison of what someone else is doing. We're comparing ourselves to, you know, someone else's middle when we're just beginning and, and it's not fair to ourselves. So it's like we all got to face a bully in our life, whether it's external or mostly internal. Mm-hmm. So that sort of brought something up that I'm going to go off script a little bit with, um, how are you addressing that little four-year-old or fourth grader? How are you? Four-year-old. Ooh, that shit was <laughs> yeah, crazy. The little four-year-old back. was bullying me right now. <laughs> how do I address it? Yeah. How do you address it? Are you going through the process for your mental health to address that? That as well as, um, I mean, physical and mental health is big for me getting in the gym. But also at the same time, I start learning cues about myself. Emotional intelligence, the buzzword, you know, <laughs> getting to really know myself, dive into the deep, uncomfortable things. And, you know, I've been able to open up through uh, blogging and then podcasting and speaking. And so for me now, if there's something that triggers, you know, a feeling of fear Mm -hmm. or comparison, and I notice that it's holding me back from doing something to me, that's the trigger. That's my, my, the gravitational pull of my intuition trying to nudge me in the right direction. So like right now I'm in the middle of building a side hustlers coaching program. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always wanted to do coaching. It terrified me. I felt like a phony imposter syndrome. Like what makes me qualified? And now all those little triggers are the fuel of like, okay, hey, if this is what you're scared of, this is probably what you should be doing. So For sure. That's and the line. If you're scared of exactly. it, you should probably do it. Lean into the fear until the fear disappears. And every little step along the way from posting my work online to hitting publish on my first blog post or saying yes to a big speaking gig or uh, overcoming the imposter syndrome and putting on a podcast, like every little thing has then helped me unlock that next level. You know, what's that boss that is in front of you that like in in Zelda, you know, like what's that boss you need to defeat to advance. Mm -hmm. And for me, fear is always that boss. Man, you're just like warming me up here because I'm battling through all of that stuff. The imposter syndrome, the what are you doing? Why should you be doing this? We all deal with it, but most people don't want to admit it because they feel like, I don't know, you have to, you have to portray this perfectly curated picture of how badass you are on Instagram or your Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. fake book, you know, everybody's curating <laughs> how perfect their lives are and people don't want to admit the shit that everybody goes through. Yep. I hear you there, man. So the, what do you think led you down the UI UX design path? Cause that's where you, or that's where you're in right now. That's the day job hustle. So mm-hmm. I am self-taught. I went to school uh, for graphic design and fine arts, couldn't get a job for three years in the field. And I thought, you know, I was a victim but really, my work just sucked. So uh, I did a lot of side hustling on the side, trying to build up my portfolio, landed the job I'm at today. Originally, it was a web design position, and I was just going to fake it to try and just get a job. Mm-hmm. And I, I canceled it on last minute. I'm like, you know what? I'm a phony. I'm just 
I'm, I'm graphic designer. I'm good at logos and branding. That's my jam. I'm, I, I love Adobe Illustrator. I'm a mm-hmm. vector junkie. Um, and they ended up hiring me. They're like, you know what? We could still use a position like that. We'll make it work. And then I saw an opening for you know, web design. And I'm like, hey, I want to prove my value. This could help me at home too. HTML, CSS, you know, uh, um, instead of using leveraging templates off like Envato Marketplace, like mm-hmm. we started building things from scratch. So I just got in the trenches and I threw myself in the fire and that was that. Now, I, now I've changed our whole process, changed our whole system, provided value. And now I'm senior web designer when I started off as just like the the rookie graphic designer five years ago. So I saw an opportunity. And, and I jumped on it. Jumped, threw myself into it without knowing <laughs> what the hell I was doing. Awesome. Chase the fear. Yes. Perfect. Chase, chase the chase the raises. <laughs> um, so was there a moment back when you were younger, you were always sketching, always drawing. Um, was there a moment besides where your friend said, dude, you got to post these, where you started connecting what you were doing to the world of graphic design? Because you were just sketching and drawing because you liked it. Exactly. It made me feel good. It was my escape mm-hmm. from bullies. You know, I'd had two older brothers. We're really, really cool now. Plus, I'm bigger than them, so they can't, they can't <laughs> bully me anymore. But, you know, I grew up just getting bullied and beat up at home, and then I'd go to school and get it. So I couldn't escape it. My only escape was art. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as I grew up, like, I was living in Microsoft Paint. I didn't know what graph design was. Mm-hmm. And I was in Microsoft Paint drawing logos, not having a clue what I was doing. And then my freshman year, my first class in college was a graphic design program and here's Adobe Illustrator and it was love at first sight. I'm like, this is like Microsoft Paint on steroids. Way better. When did you connect that that could actually be a career? Like this could be something you do for a living? Honestly, I didn't think I had the chops to do any of this until I was like 26 Mm -hmm. years after college. So so that imposter syndrome has been uh, really holding me back, that victim mentality. So you know, I thought this was something I could do. I was, you know, I was hide, side hustling in college too, drawing, you know, logos for people, $50 a pop or tattoos, you know, little things on the computer, album artwork. Um, honestly, it wasn't until I got that first job that I'm like, holy crap, you know, I, I can, I can make this happen three years outside of college. And then it was like when I landed the new job that I'm at at a bigger corporation, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, okay, I have what this takes. And then that just all it all started when I was at home and started getting some love on Instagram, posting drawings. Like that's what, you know, kind of flipped that switch. And then I applied it to, um, I guess the real world, the day job. Mm -hmm. So in that transition, do you feel that there is, was there one particular design or piece of art or illustration that, um, was influential to your path? Oh, hands down. And it was all, the side hustle, you know, it was just me in the early days of Perspective Collective, this learning hand lettering. Mm-hmm. I made one piece, Change Your Perspective, and it was like right when I announced my name was Perspective Collective. And Change Your Perspective, it was like the the switch flipped to stop playing the victim and, and, and take accountability for things. And I posted this drawing, and looking back on it now, I'm like, wow, there's so many errors. But to me, it was so special. And in the lettering world, there's a, an account called Good Type. Okay. You know, there's featuring lettering accounts. And... You know, this was before the rise of, you know, when everybody, there's lettering counts everywhere, but like Good Type had 10,000 followers. Now they have over a million. Um, and that was like my first feature I ever got. And I'm like, wow, you know, I, uh, somebody thinks my work is good enough to share. Like, why can't I think, why, why don't I believe in my work like that? And that was, you know, that was an important shift for me being like, okay, you know, there's, I was getting affirmation, things I've never had before on my work because mm-hmm. I kept it to myself. And, you know, that was, that was kind of, 
uh, I guess the little glimpse of this future potential that I had. And that that's what got me hooked. I became obsessed from there. So it's that one piece of validation that really um, just ignited that fire and like, I do got the chops to do this. Yeah, yeah. I needed just to see that someone else believed in me, which my mom always did. My teacher always did. But you know, it was like that. Family, it was that right? outside validation from people all across the world. I never even knew or had a connection with mm-hmm. that I was like, wow, okay. If they think my work is legit, then you know, like it's time to start taking myself more serious. So once that little piece of validation, like you said, um, made me realize like I got to start taking myself serious. Definitely. I want to ask you now about some designers or brands that you look up to or closely follow. Um, can you tell us a couple of those and what about them that you like? Oh, the homies over at Lincoln design co. Um, love those dudes. I got a chance to meet them at crop conference a couple years ago mm-hmm. when I was speaking and built a good relationship with them had them on the podcast and now it's just like they they just they just slay it they everything they touch is gold and it's got such a raw edgy vibe to it but yet then they can go flip the you know flip the script and go do something for barbie so they got the massive clients (laughs) they got the dopest merch around in the game they just brand themselves you know everybody's like a brand should have one logo you know and now it's responsive branding and all that and one identity so you can build that brand awareness and these guys are like fuck that we have a whole logo sheet of like 15 different logo designs that we do for ourselves. So they're, they just make their own rules. Big fans of that. Uh, awesome. My friends, Hoodsfoot Design, Amy and Jed Hood, huge fans of what the the work that they're doing. They're always pushing the envelope. Um, Austin Durham of Durham Branding Co. He's got that gritty, uh, manly vibe too, that rough texture feel. And he just slays <laughs> it for big brands and he does it on his own. That's the crazy thing. It's like you'd think he, he has this whole studio and it's just – himself but those are the the three names i mean dkng draplin kendrick kid um brian steely i could go on forever man these are all heroes podcast guests friends from conferences so yeah a little iowa guy like me a little guy (laughs) like me from iowa getting a chance to link up with some of these people is uh uh incredible humbling that's crazy man that's such an awesome opportunity um i want to ask you a little bit about your process now um, you might not think that your process is unique or totally different than what's going on out there. Um, but I want to hear from you what makes your process yours. You're exactly right. I wouldn't have thought it was unique. But as I learn and discover the pain points of you know my audience, I'm like, wow, this is something truly unique that I have. So uh, I'm an early bird. I used to be a night owl by default. But when mm-hmm. I started getting up early, that that's what really scaled my business and helped me have the best breakthroughs. Especially because, like, I got a wife now. I got a little boy who's about to turn one years old. Um, mornings are my time to grind. It's mm-hmm. it's so I get up, try to get up around four thirty a.m. Nice. I start start grinding, get that cup of coffee in me, start working from, you know, for sure five to sometime around six. So I have that first hour just complete silence before the world's up, mm-hmm. before anybody can put their problems on me for the day, before anybody can take my attention away on things that aren't essential to the main vision and goal of what I'm building here. So. I'm an early board. I get that first hour, hour and a half just to focus on the the, the tasks that require the most uh, willpower for mm-hmm. sure, which is like writing. You you know how it is with scripting and writing podcasts. I don't know if you do solo episodes, but there's a lot of time that goes into this stuff or building Definitely this is. porch. So that's that's what I do in the mornings. Go to work 7 a.m. I get a 10 minute break. I get a 3 p.m. break. And those are when I'll, I'll optimize some of my smaller tasks that I need to get done in the day. Maybe it's responding to everybody on social media. Maybe it's posting real quick. Maybe it's um, 
checking statistics on an email newsletter, A, B, split testing. I don't know. But like I'll optimize those times and then lunch is when I grind. I'll do a podcast with you. I'm on my lunch break right now mm-hmm. or you know, I'll record with someone else you know, from my podcast or I'm drawing episode artwork for my custom images each week for the podcast. So you every know, minute I, of every day. Every minute. I, I'm big on scheduling. So you only have 168 hours in the week. 40 hours is allocated <laughs> to this. Ideally, in a perfect world, you're getting eight hours of sleep. So there's 56 hours. So like, what are you doing each day that's intentional? I try to just knock out one big task each day and sprinkle in some other things and you know, really allocate my time and be it as intentional as possible. Carve out that time and make your hours work for you. That's so good. I'm actively working on sort of a block scheduling right now because mm. I've got three kids, I've my wife, like everybody's you, you got stuff it, going man. on. It's, it's a grind. It's crazy. Because you do this full time? No. You got a side hustle too. You're, 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 you know exactly what I'm talking about. Here. I know exactly what you're talking about. I feel it. Everything you're saying, I'm feeling it right here. Yeah. Just be intentional, have a routine and have a system that works for you. Like my routine, I teach this system that I work with and I'm trying to like build a product and everything around it because people want it, mm-hmm. but it's something that you can fit within your own routine and find what works for you. And I think that's the key. I can't tell everybody you should get up early. That's what worked for me. And maybe yeah. you thrive at night depending on your responsibilities, your duties as a parent or a husband, whatever. So it's like, you know, experiment and find what works for you. Finding what works. So Scotty, the next few questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you maybe made some mistakes, you learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out uh, for the listeners. Um, I'll turn it around in the end and we'll end in a happy place. Let's but, get it. Uh, yeah, exactly. So what's been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Um, The beginning, the middle, and where I'm currently at right now. So again, the imposter syndrome. In the beginning, it was always like growing up being picked on and bullied. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be loved. And then when I got into you know, the art scene, I wanted, to, I wanted everyone to love my work. So I'm going to flip the question and just answer it my own way. So the biggest takeaway I have, which is my life motto, mm-hmm. and I'm a pizza junkie if people don't know me, but you can't make everyone happy. You are not pizza. That is my life motto. You know, stop, <laughs> stop trying to please everyone. Your work is not for everyone. And the more you try to create for the masses, the more you make it a little bit, you, the more you make it harder to reach and resonate with that one person. All it takes is one person as a, at a time to, you know, build that that loyal tribe. In Seth Godin's book, This Is Marketing, a great book for people if they they want to build, you know, a, a tribe and engaged audiences. Go for go for depth. Stop going for width. And the more you go for depth, you'll realize that it'll start rippling out, and the width will happen as a byproduct. So. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to please everyone. You are not pizza. Just own your own story. Own your weird, unique flavor that you can put into the world. Wave your freak flag and you'll attract like-minded freaks over time. So <laughs> Exactly. You can't please everybody. No. And I have to remind myself every day going through that filter before I hit publish or before I write something. It's like, go through that filter first. Mm-hmm. Be myself. Definitely. I want to go now to a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well. Maybe it was a boardroom presentation that went sideways. Maybe something that ended up in the marketplace where something got missed. Um, Take us to that story and how that felt. Mm. So I would say not really freelance, but more with the day job is Mm -hmm. uh, I work with a lot of big brands and a lot of strong personalities and um, one of our 80 brands, you know, that brings in the most allocations for my my in-house kind of design agency team, 
they're totally just ripping my designs of a massive dope website that I'm creating for them. They're not listening to us. They're listening to people who shouldn't have any say over any type of design or UX, UI functionality like distributors. I mean, my goal is just to get you sales through the distributors, but dealing with personalities, not taking things personal on this website. Um, I look at it today and it's just, it's trash. I can't even look at it. It hurts mm -hmm. me even talking about this right now, but I had to learn how to stop being so precious over thing, letting go of the things I can't control. And that process has helped me. And then just from the whole psychological aspect of understanding the personalities you're working with, you know, disc training and all that stuff, you know, um, Myers-Briggs, like that's been important. And I've done a lot of personality tests to start understanding, you know, these big, big business units that I work with and their marketing champions, understanding how these people work and then understanding how I can um, speak to kind of get the results I want, but mm -hmm. say what they want to hear in yes. the way they want to be approached. So like that big project that really pissed me off and made me sad, taught me a lot of the psychological way of pitching, presenting, selling your ideas in a way that it made it seem like they thought of it, you know? So like that's, that's big for anybody <laughs> doing, you know, freelancer, you know, you're pitching at a day job. Definitely. So your design basically got diluted to the point where it's not your design anymore. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it was just Frankenstein to shit. So Ugh. yeah, bad user experience, anything try, you try showing them what it doesn't work and then yeah, just, it so, is what it is. But it what that taught on. you is that, that looking at that personality and almost selling your ideas without selling them. Exactly. Selling them in a way that I pitch it back in the language that they originally said it in, even though what I presented is completely different. Mm -hmm. But it ends up thinking like, oh, wow, yeah, I did think of this. This was a great job. And I'm like, hey, awesome job I, or great ideas <laughs> with this. You know, I spit it back in the language that they said. Yeah. But then I, you know, tweak it to how it should be. Definitely. That is the best user experience and accomplishes the goals of, you know, the, the first person that lands on their site, you know, their end user. So, which is really what should matters, but often gets forgotten. No. Yep. Got it. Okay. I'm going to turn the bus around. I want you to tell me about a project that you've been a part of that you're the most proud of the one that just makes your heart sing. Man, what if it's just a personal project? Tell me about it. The perspective podcast, man, that's uh, my podcast is feel for your mind and creative grind. And it's been just a whole work in progress as I too have been a work in progress. And, and, and I would say, you know, it, it's something I'm a part of cause I have guests and, you know, I have hired help now helping me out, but mm -hmm. it's everybody just grinding towards a bigger vision of figuring, figuring out how to do what you love. That also makes the most impact on people in the world. You know, instead of chasing the glory, chase the impact. And that's that's what this show is kind of transformed to. And the audience is people like you and me who crave something like this but don't know how to take the first steps. They don't know how to grind. They don't know how to mm -hmm. find time. They don't know how to uh, push through the comparison or the internal struggles that go on between the ears that like to hold us back. So, like, that's, you know, this has been – this is probably the thing that I find the most fulfillment in rather than doing a mural on the side of a brewery or – you know, doing a inside spread for a big editorial like this is this is like it. This mm -hmm. is it. This is like the vessel now that I'm putting my my energy and focus into. You know, one thing that I've learned in doing all of these interviews is that, you know, it's great to do a logo that goes up on a billboard and it looks beautiful. It's great to do good work. But there's so much mental health work that goes on with the individual behind that design 
to get over all of the hurdles and the presentations and the opinions and everything to get that logo to that billboard. Like it's not as simple as putting it together. The client says, yeah, it looks good. Put it up there. True that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a, it's a process or you say process. So it, it's, it's all a part of it. And a lot of the, the failures that you have along the way are going to help you, you know, kind of develop new ways of preparing for it in the future and then bypassing those hurdles. Yep, for sure. Scotty, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Procreate app on iPad Pro. Dude, such a good one. That's probably the most common that's mentioned and something really? I, I need right. to get more involved in. That changed the game for me. I was very romanticizing about the analog world of drawing. I'm like, all these people on their iPads, it's so dumb. <laughs> and then I got one and then like I flipped a mural project and paid for it in itself and it cut it in half the time. I'm like, wow, I finally understand now. So Sold. it's just boosted and boosted my, efficient, my, my efficiency and you know, got me better in the digital world of drawing. That's awesome. Great one. We're at the time of the show now for the ask it forward question. I've got a question for you from my previous guest and you get an opportunity to ask a question of the next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So my previous guest was Amy England. She's a senior graphic designer at Elysian Brewery down in Seattle, Washington there. And she wanted to ask you, what do you do when you're stuck and under a deadline? Uh, I, I, reverse engineer the process i get you know the end deadline i backtrack it all the projects and i start building out a task list like i do with any kind of project so mm-hmm. i stand i assign myself like tasks and deadlines work it back and then you know i carve out time in my day yep. and find those open gaps that's pretty much it's pretty much how i would tackle anything like that with any kind of deadline mm-hmm. so have you ever been in a situation where something is due tomorrow and you're still struggling through it yes but I'm one of those people who thrives under the chaos. <laughs> Perfect. You're like, I like that. Yeah. And that's, that's how it is at the day job. And, and we have the saying in our like little group that bring on the stress. It always gets done. And it's, I've been there for five years. It's always gotten done. It's always gotten done, you know? And you know, if it didn't get done, you're not going to die. <laughs> exactly. You're not going to die. There's always tomorrow. And a lot of these people just have fluff deadlines anyway. Yeah. And they bake in margin, which I'm learning too. So, um, you know, it's better to just under promise over deliver on things. You know, whenever somebody says, you know, you're not going to die, I just picture Kim, uh, Ken Jung from The Hangover when he jumps out of the, the trunk. Have you seen those movies? Yes, one, I just them, watched like, the other weekend. Yeah, I can't remember what movie it was. He just goes, yeah, but did you die? Uh, uh, kiss the ring yes exactly (laughs) yeah i got a podcast episode going out just like referencing the wolf pack scene oh that's awesome just like find your own wolf pack but we don't need the jägermeister you know being roofied from alan in our drinks so yes big fan of those series that's hilarious all right scotty what's the question that you'd like me to ask the next guest now does it have to be deep and thought-provoking or can it be something fun whatever you want it to be if you were on death row what would your last slice of pizza be? Brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. That's, that's for my, my, my rapid fire questions in my, my podcast. That's my number one. I ask everyone. I love it. That's awesome. My, uh, you learn my... a lot about someone when they give that answer. <laughs> a lot of people are like, I'm vegan, but if I was dying, this is what I would do. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> double okay, pepperoni. Little... Yep. Double pepperoni with some jalapenos or something. I don't know. That's awesome, man. Are you a pineapple on pizza guy? 
I mean, I'm not going to judge, let people enjoy things, but it's not for me. I'm, I'm a simple guy, pepperoni pizza, Casey's General Store, it's gas station pizza, but it's bomb. And their their motto is, uh, what's their motto? Famous for pizza. You know, that's they label themselves it's that. And I, pretty damn that's simple. the truth. Yeah. <laughs> gas station pizza for your listeners in the Midwest, Casey's General Store. Casey's General Store. Scotty, you made it to the end of the podcast, man. Thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciated your time here. No problem. I hope I didn't throw too many pizza references in there. It gets a little cheesy sometimes. Is there such thing as too many pizza references? Uh, If you're not a pizza fan, then maybe. But everybody loves pizza. That was my point I made earlier. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, everybody. Just This episode just warms me up, just lights me up, and I get excited every time I hear it. So thank you so much for being a part of it. I hope you pulled some sweet knowledge bombs from this and I hope it motivated you to take action on that side hustle you've been thinking about, you've been dreaming about. Definitely go over and check out the Perspective podcast. It's a fantastic show. I love what Scotty's doing over there and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks.